Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Startup Sales. This week we speak with Mark Colgan uh, all about outbound. You know, how to get your leads lead sourced so that you could actually find who to talk to and how to actually start to outreach to them. So it's going to be a really interesting episode, especially in these times uh, where you need to go out and kind of find more of your clients, be more proactive. It's really terrific. Uh, Mark has also been very generous and given a link that's in the show notes for two weeks of uh, Task Drive for free. And what Task Drive is, is the company he, he's with, they actually uh, have like a full-time person that's uh, researching your leads and putting together, compiling a list. And it's not just, uh, you know, go through LinkedIn and copy-paste the emails. It's real, real work. Uh, it's a lot higher value than, than those automated processes. So I highly recommend you test it. Uh, there's a link in the show notes for two free weeks. They'll give you a lot of good leads and show you how, how they could do it, how they work. Uh, I use them myself. Really terrific. And in the meantime, if you're an early stage uh, startup, if you're after seed and you need to get your initial sales traction and you need to figure out and map out your sales structure and get your KPIs to show your investors for, uh, for round A, then reach out to us at startupsales.io. That's startupsales.io. This is what we do is we help uh, startups early stage get from, from seed to A and then A to scaling. So for more information, go to startupsales.io. In the meantime, let's start speaking with Mark. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. All right, Mark, thanks for joining us. Hey, Adam, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Great. Can you uh, give everybody a little bit of background about who you are and what your expertise is? Sure, yes. So um, my name is Mark Colgan. I've been in sales and marketing, specifically B2B, for the last 12 years. I'm currently the Chief Revenue Officer at Task Drive, uh, which is an outsourced, uh, outsourced service, service for lead research and lead generation. Um, previous to that, I worked as a consultant, spent a lot of time uh, implementing and uh, delivering onboarding for CRMs and marketing automation. And before that, I was at a, went through a Texas accelerator over in North Carolina. So um, not only have I consulted and implemented the technology side of things, I've also worked extensively with multiple companies with their outbound prospecting. And that's really what we're, we're covering today. Excellent. So on the outbound prospecting, it's uh, one of the hardest, most difficult thing to to do or the scariest thing I would say for, for companies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So where does one start when, uh, s somebody wants to begin outbound prospect prospecting? Sure. Yeah. It's a, a really good question. And I think a lot of people start in the wrong place. They just think writing that email, sending out volumes of emails to, to people, but really a, an effective outbound strategy, um, you really want to start with understanding who you're trying to speak to. Um, you need to understand that you're not, you're not there to pitch and sell in that first email, which is a mistake a lot of companies make. 
but you are really tra- trying to um, establish uh, a, commun- a line of communication and, and start a conversation with them. So really it comes down to understanding the ideal customer profile. So they're the accounts or the categorizations of, of accounts that you want to target. And then you need to understand who are those individuals within those accounts. So what personas are you targeting? And this is really important because different personas need different messaging. And you should be personalizing your emails and your outreach messaging, whether that be over the phone, in voicemails, over LinkedIn, based on the persona and the problems and challenges that those personas have and face in their day-to-day role. So, so many founders are scared to only choose one persona and one ICP because they, well, we could sell to these people, we could sell these people. And I like how you, I agree with you that you should only choose one, but what do you what do you say to that when you when you have multiple people that you could sell to? Yeah, so I, I say you can still sell to multiple people. Just make sure that you are personalizing the messaging into different campaigns. So let's say that you're trying to influence an end user, and then you're trying to sell to a, to the decision maker. Those two people have different use cases for the product or service that you meet, that you may offer. And then, therefore, they need different messaging um, in, in terms of what they want to read and what they need to, need to see. So, and even if those were, let's say you could sell to HR managers and marketing managers, for example. Let's say you had a product or service that, that, um, that both of those could, could use. The HR people have very different challenges in their day-to-day than a marketing person. But the point is you can still sell to both. Um, it's just that you need to create different and personalized messaging per persona. So that's what I usually say to to founders. The other option is just focus on one for now and take the land and expand approach from Crossing the Chasm, which was a book back about software before it was really software, um, where you you go after and dominate one market and you get to the beachhead and then you expand. Yeah. All right. So before we get to the emails and what to write and what kind of messaging to have, you know, how do you compile the list how do you get the emails the contact information for these people yeah so adam this is the bit where i can really geek out on and and talk about finding this sort of data so before i go into some of the strategies and and techniques it's definitely worth remembering that you need to know who you're looking for in terms of those accounts so which companies are you going to look for and which individuals within those accounts and for me this is really important because you really want to find out, sorry, you, you need to remember that, you know, at any one time, only 3% of the market is actively buying, 7% are open to buying, and the remaining 90% aren't actually in a buying uh, cycle or, or looking to make a decision. So what I like to do is build lists and source leads around triggers and signals. Um, those could be account signals like raised around the funding. It could be personal triggers like has shared related content, or it could be, again, going back to the account, it could be that they're hiring and expanding in their team. And if your product or service um, helps solve a problem for growing teams, um, then that's a perfect opportunity to to speak to somebody because you know that they're going to be experiencing that pain point soon. So to to cover that again, it's about building dynamic lists on an ongoing basis rather than building just a huge list of all, I don't know, Uh, HR managers across North America because not every HR manager across North America is going to be in that buying cycle and it may also be the case that they're not actively looking for a solution because they don't even realize they have a problem so it's trying to find people that do understand that they have a problem and looking for those signals 
How do you find if they've just raised the fund or if they're hiring right now? Yeah, so for raising funds, you can look at Crunchbase, um, which is a uh, crunchbase.com. It has a pro, but the, the free search is, is very good as well. The one thing to keep in mind is that they may have raised the funds before and the news has come out a day later, um, but most companies are quite keen to push the press release out when they have raised funds. But um, So that's one to looking at um, raising funds. When it comes to hiring, LinkedIn um, is my friend. And LinkedIn's my one of my go-to sources for pretty for a lot of this research because it's the most up-to-date database. You you could have access for all the paid pro uh, databases, but LinkedIn will always be more up-to-date because most people that have profiles on there are have a have a personal interest in keeping them up-to-date. Most people in big databases are just data points, and it's not them keeping it up-to-date anyway. So uh, LinkedIn. But when it comes to jobs, um, what I like to do is pretend I'm a candidate looking for a role. So I plug in the job title that I want in my next role. So let's say it was HR manager. And then I can get alerts every time that uh, a new role has been advertised that fit that criteria. And then for me, that's a company that is growing, most likely um, growing. So I will then want to start the conversation with the hiring manager, which can be a little bit tricky to find who the hiring manager exactly is, but you can give it your best guess. Interesting. It's uh, it's really good. And when you when you're creating those alerts, are you looking for like a like a specific company size as well? Uh, can you can you drive drill down into that much detail? Yeah, it, you can't so much in uh, on LinkedIn from a from a job searching. Um, although with the, I believe they might have a re, like a recruitment plan, so you might be able to as a candidate. Sorry, it might be an upgrade. But just even using the the normal uh, qualifier, uh, the, the normal LinkedIn. Another way that you could do it is follow the companies that uh, are within your ideal target. Uh, but I still find the most effective way is get all of the alerts. You're going to need to look at the company anyway to find out who the hiring manager is. And it's very easy to click on one link to get to the company page on LinkedIn, which tells you how many um, how many employees they have. So usually that's a, it's just one click to find that out. Okay. So now we've got the list of companies and and people within the company mm-hmm. uh how do i get their contact information sure so uh what's great about the if we stick with the example of the uh the, the hiring is most job descriptions will say reporting to or reports to so i typically just do control f uh to, to find within the job description and um we'll find that they report to the hr director or whoever that may be i then would then click to find out that individual's profile on linkedin and you could use a number of different Chrome extensions or tools to, to find that data. Um, Lead IQ, Seamless AI, they're two, two tools that uh, sit on top and surface this data for you. Then if you want to be a bit clever, you can, uh, or more efficient, let's say, you could use something like Zapier. Uh, Zapier allows you to connect different tools to each other. And one uh, Zap that I've set up in the past is as soon as I add a contact from LinkedIn, they automatically get added to a spreadsheet in a row. And then therefore I have that data already put in and piped into a spreadsheet. So I can then decide to do the next thing with the campaign, which is usually send the message. Yeah. All right. So let's get into that messaging. How, where do I start with that? Yeah. Okay. So again, um, I mentioned personalization from a messaging point of view and really there's three levels or three tiers of personalization. You can personalize it on an individual level. So that could be referencing something that you saw in their profile. It could be referencing their job title, their, um, 
something that something that they shared uh, recently on LinkedIn or a podcast they they appeared on. Then you've got the um, persona level, so that's typically the challenges and and the and also their motivations and drivers that that they may have. So you'd want to make sure that you're targeting and ta- sorry tailoring your message based on the persona. And then uh, the the final one is is the account level. So it could be that you're referencing the fact that you can see that they're hiring for HR managers, or it could be that you're referencing that they raised a, a round of funding. Um, there's so much advice around writing these messages. Um, I like to use a few frameworks. Um, the, the, some of the key things to remember though is that the subject line's job is to get the email opened. Um, the first line's job is to get the second line read. And then the, <laughs> the, the, the third line is the call to action to get them to do something. Um, in terms of, again, we can, I can go into the templates in a bit more detail or I can share after potentially. But one of the things to remember is that you really want to encourage a reply. Um, I would highly recommend that most you know, founders and startups don't put links in that first email. Uh, just from a, um, a spam point of view, it's getting very, very hard to get into uh, the right inboxes these days. So what I mean by that is ask a question of, would you like to find out more? Never assume that they want to see your one pager. Don't send them your pitch deck. <laughs> don't send them a demo. It's, you're asking whether they have the, the challenge that your product can, can help them overcome. Um, so that would be my, my general advice on, you know, at a very high level about emails. I like that. I always tell people that the whole point of that is, is to engage them, not to sell them. You're not exactly. trying to clo- close them right now and get their credit card. You're trying to just engage and start that relationship. Yeah, and, and another thing, uh, that, the reason why you want to ask a question, um, and you can ask a closed question, and that usually goes against most sales advice, is you, know, you, should, answer, you should ask open questions. Personally, I think open questions are great when you're, on, you're having a conversation already. But if you want to qualify someone in or out, asking a closed question will get a better response than an open question because an open question might be too much effort for them to, to reply with. So I like to finish my call to act or my email or call to action with, um, would you be interested in finding out more? Now, if people reply and say no, I've got two things that happen there. One, it's a little bit of a signal to the spam gods that actually this email isn't spam. It's not being marked as spam. It's being replied. Um, I'm not sure scientifically how much impact that has, but I, my gut feeling is that it does help. And then from a from the second side, I can then handle that objection, uh, depending on, on kind of w- what objection handling I've gone through before to, to have ready in my canned responses, pretty much. What's a typical uh, response? So, no, if it's, uh, you know, would you be interested in finding out more? Then I might like to ask when would be a more more important uh, a better time to to, uh, to ask or have that conversation yeah if it's if it's no it's just like okay so how are you how are you overcoming it at the moment so um or overcoming whatever the solution is that you're that you're trying to sell or trying to talk about yeah uh, so those are the two that i tend to fall back on okay so your first email is kind of talking about uh, like what kind of problem that they would be having that you will solve but mm-hmm. you're not mentioning that you solve it your first Yep. Bringing up, hey, you, do you have this kind of problem? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So it's really important to understand your ICP to kind of understand what kind of problem they're going to have. Because as you said, if you're talking to the CEO and or you're talking to the end user, they still they have the same problem, but it affects them in a different way. Mm-hmm. For example, like the CEO, it's a financial problem. Yep. For the end user, it's like a efficiency problem. It's, hey, it takes me three hours a day to do this. Yeah, and one one of the reasons why I love the hiring uh, example is because 
no matter what job title they are, if they're, if they're hiring, they're going through the same pain point. They either don't have somebody in place or somebody's leaving, so they need to replace somebody or fill, fill a gap. So they've got to go through interviewing and screening, and not everybody's a natural at interviewing. Not everybody's great at asking probing questions. Uh, not everybody's great at determining whether someone is, um, uh, you know, embellishing the truth a little bit in, in their responses. So screening and interviews is a challenge. And then uh, they have an onboarding challenge. So once they've offered somebody the role and they've maybe negotiated their, their start date and salary, they then have to onboard them and bring them up to speed. So that's another challenge that a, a, any hiring, ma hiring manager has. And if you can speak the same language as, and, and talk about the pains that they're going through, even if your product doesn't solve that uh, particular uh, challenge, but you're still helping them do it, you're positioning yourself as not another sleazy salesman or someone trying to pitch to them. You're coming from a place of offering value. And that's something that we, we spoke about before is that always being, always leading with value. Uh, and that's something I, I can cover when we talk about the follow-ups. Okay, I think that's super important is, is that value aspect. Definitely. And, you know, for a lot of startup founders, I often get asked, you know, how do I find out um, what is valuable? What, what is valuable content? And a lot of the objections that I've had from conversations with founders before, they say, Mark, I don't have time to create content. But I'm not saying you have to create content, but you could share content. You could actually share content from a non-competing product or uh, an industry report that helps them overcome and uh, overcome the challenge that they're having and, and is valuable. Um, and again, th this is where um, you, could, you could bring these into the follow-up emails, which are just as important as the first email. Yeah. All right, so what are these follow-up emails? Yeah, so um, the majority of salespeople and, and founders as well, they give up after most of the time the first email. Uh, there isn't yeah. a set sequence of follow-up emails. Um, I'm going to butcher the stat, but I'll try and get the best to uh, remember it. I believe most salespeople give up after four touch points. Most buyers respond after four touch points. So yeah. if the majority of people are not reaching that magic number, um, but yet the buyer is, uh, is reacting after that number, uh, then it's just, it just doesn't work at all. Um, in one particular sequence that uh, I was helping a company run, we actually found out that the fourth email with the subject line and the message really resonated with the audience. So we were getting loads of re responses to the fourth email. So and another thing to mention here, Adam, is like don't, don't put all of your contacts into a list and blast out with the same message. Do it slowly so you can iterate over time. And again, in this example, we took the fourth email and swapped it with the first email because we knew that that was uh, causing a, a reaction or a reply. Uh, and then once we put that as the first email, the, the first email had a lot more responses as well. There are a number of reasons why people don't reply to emails. I don't do it sometimes because it's just, it's not a burning, a hair on fire moment. Uh, I might have read the email when I probably shouldn't have been checking my phone. <laughs> and I'll be like, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, and, and, you know, you just forget because they're interrupting your time rather than the other way around when, when, sorry, when you're sending out cold emails. So with the follow-ups, I always suggest around seven emails. Um, I always suggest a multi, uh, uh, sorry, a multi-channel approach as well. So depending on the lifetime value of your, of your product or the average order value, um, and the, and, and, and the sales nature. So if it's a very, if it's a very transactional sale, low friction, then you probably won't use many channels because usually that, uh, that, that does sometimes allude to the fact that 
the, the average order value is quite low. But if it's more of a relational uh, relationship sell, uh, longer sales cycle, larger deal sizes, then definitely introduce different channels. And those could be LinkedIn or other community platforms where your audience spends time online. Um, it could be video. Um, I like to use video in prospecting, not at the very beginning, um, but usually in the third or, or fourth email. Or maybe I just drop a, a video after somebody accepts a, a connection request on LinkedIn. Uh, you can use direct mail if, if that's appropriate as well. Um, and voicemails and, 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 cold, and calling as well. Um, there's been a lot of studies to say that it's more effective if you call voicemail and email in the same day or within a matter of minutes um, because you have more touch points with, with those. And then the, the second point about follow-ups is just continue to add value. So share additional content, share your insights and your, your own opinion, uh, share a story from a customer of yours that discovered something from using your product. But again, try and solve the problems that you know that they're facing. Uh, and another, so I didn't finish saying this before, one of the other objections I have from a lot of uh, founders is that, you know, they don't have time to do uh, customer voice research or, or speaking to their customers. Um, I would say find time because, and delegate other things. Uh, it's one of the most important things that you can do, especially in the early stages. But another thing that if, okay, I'll accept that sometimes you do have other things and you can't always uh, um, book calls with potential customers. Look at job descriptions. Go back to the, the job descriptions and have a look at what their responsibilities are and have a look at what they are being brought in to do. Because they effectively, the first few bullet points there will highlight what's important to that company. And when, uh, so I used to work in recruitment, which is why I'm probably a little bit more fascinated about job using job job ads. <laughs> um, but when some, when a hiring manager writes a job description, they typically prioritize the most important things or the most important action items at the top. So those first three bullet points, you'll notice, start to, start to notice, notice a pattern if you look at multiple uh, job descriptions. And then from there, you can understand that, okay, a common objective for most marketers is brand awareness and qualified leads. It's as simple as that. Yeah. All right. And so you say seven touches... It should be about seven touches, and when you call and leave a voicemail, that's one touch, uh, unless they pick up, then it's just call. But uh, or and an email is another. LinkedIn would be a third. Mm -hmm. Like spread over how long of a time? Yeah, no. So I would I would say sorry, as a minimum of seven emails, um, but that's not. It's more than seven touches. So it does vary, and it's very hard to give a figure, um, and it's also very hard to find that balance between harassing and stalking someone. And, and sending appropriate amounts of emails out. Um, so typically, most cadences last just over a month. Um, but what I would say is that if you have and you are producing content or you're coming across other content, you can put people that go through a month's cadence into a reactivation campaign where you then drip feed them with, with other content as well. Or you try another tactic. Um, you know, if, if you're sending the email from yourself as an um, account executive, it might be better to send... Sorry, it might be better to send an email as from the founder, not your salesperson, if, if, if you have a salesperson. Uh, so it might be just that you try a, a different approach. Um, but it really is hard to give, you know, it should be 21 touch points across 19 yeah. days, and that's the perfect. And if you do that, you'll be millionaires. <laughs> like, I'd wish, I wish it was that simple. Yeah, if it was just cookie cutter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, and wh what are some ideas for that reactivation campaign? Like, 
because as you said, it's hard for people to come up with content all the time. What could you put there? Yeah. So again, it goes back to understanding their challenges and and their pain points and and some of the things that frustrate them in their role. Um, I know that I target, um, what, sorry, one of my audiences is a head of sales development. And I know that they, uh, need to hire SDRs, they need to onboard SDRs, and they need to improve the efficiency of, of the SDRs. And they do all three of those things to try and get SDRs booking more meetings and adding uh, pipeline opportunity to, sorry, opportunities to, to the pipeline. So that's five things that I can think about, but I could start to have a conversation with um, these, the, these prospects about because they have, you know, it's hard to find the right SDRs. It's, it's, it's challenging to, to onboard them all. Um, but a couple of tactics you could use or strategies, um, if you are in a position to host a podcast, that could be a good opportunity to reach out to somebody and ask them if they would like to be a guest on the podcast. You could potentially just do a short um, survey and try and build some of your own content based on the responses from people. Uh, again, the whole point here is just to start a conversation and it's just as important to qualify people out of the sales process as it is to quali- qualify them in. If, if now is not the right time or they're not a good fit, it's okay to admit that and move on to the, to the next prospect. Um, but you've got to remember that no means uh, no for now uh, because that person might start a new role, uh, that company might raise funding in six months' time and now is the right time. Um, so, yeah, reaching out for podcasts, asking, if, asking for their opinion on you know, a certain topic. Um, I've sent emails out in the past saying pl- we're planning our 20, okay, just say 2020 content calendar here are the topics we're thinking about writing. Which one would you be most interested in reading about? Most people like giving their opinion when they're asked. And, and most people like giving their opinion when they're not asked as well. But, um, but yeah, so if you, if you reach, out to, um, reach out to them and sh- yeah, share a bit of content or um, ask their opinion, that could be a very, very good way to, to you know, warm up the conversation before finding do they have a hair on fire challenge at the moment that you can help them solve. I like that you're involving them in, in what kind of content they want to read. So then when you send it to them, they're more engaged with the content as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, yeah. And it helps build that stronger relationship at the same time. Because you know, then you're not coming across as that, as you said before, the sleazy salesperson just trying to, hey, buy me, look at all my features. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the things that I've leveraged successfully in the past is my own network. So um, I spend a lot of energy and, and, and a lot of time in, like growing my network and, and staying in touch with as, as many of people as I can and I can't maybe it's just me naturally but when I meet somebody new I think oh who would Adam like to speak to and then I might even ask Adam Adam who within my network would you be interested in speaking with and most people will, will be able to give you an answer of that actually I'd really like to speak to CFOs well whatever it may be um, so yeah so leverage your network if you have no content you're not going to write any content you could always connect some people together yeah Great, Mark. This has been a lot of help, and I think uh, given like a lot of good advice for people to to get started and get the ball rolling. And I think that's that's really important. How could people reach out to you, and if they want to get more information or start a conversation with you? Sure. So uh, the best way to reach me uh, individually is on LinkedIn. So it's Mark Colgan, um, or you can reach out to me uh, via email at mark at taskdrive dot com, and uh, yeah, I'll respond to all emails that come through. Great. I'll put the LinkedIn description as well in the description as well. So it's easy. One click away. Thank you. Mark, thanks so much. Cheers, Adam. Take care. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io. 